0: Hello and welcome again to the relaunched New Look TES Scotland podcast. My name is Henry Hepburn and I'm Scotland editor for TES Scotland, the magazine for education professionals. Every month we'll publish a long read investigation. Uh, We started that earlier this year. Uh, This is a new addition to what we do at TES Scotland and every month we'll discuss what we found on this podcast. I'm joined today by TES Scotland senior reporter Emma Seath. Hi Emma. Hi there. Um, She'll be speaking about her in-depth analysis of what's been called executive headship. Bringing together two, three, even up to six primary schools together under the leadership of one head teacher has become increasingly common in Scotland, but in recent times, several councils have pursued plans that would see one head lead a mix of primaries and a secondary. Um, difficulty filling headteacher posts is cited as one reason for the interest in these types of collective leadership models, but parents and Scotland's largest teaching union, among others, have uh, also said that cash-strapped councils are looking to save on headteacher salaries. And according to the IS union, it is primary leadership posts that will likely be squeezed out if the proposed changes go ahead. So welcome again, Emma. Can you first of all fill us in on the background to your investigation? Which councils are looking at bring primaries and secretaries together in this way?
1: Well, um, we focused in on uh, two authorities, um, in particular Argyll and Butte and North Lanarkshire. So um, in Argyll and Butte, they're looking at introducing a leadership, collective leadership model, as they call it. And in North Lanarkshire, um, they're looking at introducing something that they're calling their multi-establishment leadership model. And the idea behind that would be that one head can lead two or more establishments. It's not always going to be about a mix of uh, a secondary and a primary or several primaries. It'll just depend on the circumstance, you know, so it could involve nurseries and primaries coming together. It could involve you know two or more nurse two or more primary schools coming together, but it could also involve this idea of having um, a secondary and and primary being brought brought together under the leadership of an executive head. And then earlier this year, Fife was also looking at the possibility of introducing a cluster leadership model for schools in the East York. Um, so one model that they were looking at would have brought together Wade Academy and Anstruther, and eight primary schools under the leadership of one head teacher. Um, and then, you know, there was a sort of similar proposal in Argyll and Butte, which was looking at quite a large um, grouping of schools initially, which was, you know, so for instance, it talked about taking Dunoon Grammar in seven primaries and that would be one cluster and they would be under the leadership of an executive head teacher. Um, now, Argyle and Butte is saying that school groupings have yet to be determined and that communities will be consulted in depth before decisions are made. But that just kind of gives you an idea of some of the things that the local authorities um, in Scotland are considering just now.
0: And if you could just take us back a bit, what would you say has been the impetus for looking at this idea of what's being called executive headship?
1: In North Lanarkshire there have been savings attached to the plan. So um, that's out there, that's in the public domain. So the authority expects to save money on head teacher salaries. Um, and there's been an agreed saving of 438,000 attached to the introduction of executive headships. Um, I mean, in our Ar- in Argyll and Butte, the council is very clear in saying that collective leadership is not about saving money. Um, but equally they aren't forthcoming with any figures in terms of how much they plan to invest, if it's not about saving or or is it about breaking even. So those figures, you know, sort of aren't out there just now. So it's not clear. Um, exactly what their plans are, but um, another common reason for the authorities talking about introducing this, um, so in introducing executive head to executive headship, is that they're struggling to recruit head teachers. Um, in terms of how bad things are with head teacher recruitment, that's difficult to get a handle on. But as part of the investigation, um, the Association of Head Teachers and Deputies Scotland shared some figures with us. Um, they do a survey every year, and they've done it since 2016, um, of their members. Part of that survey is looking at how appealing um, primary promoted postholders like principal teachers and deputies, are finding the prospect of becoming a head teacher. Um, and this year, they found that only 18% of deputies agreed they were keen to become heads um, and that was down from over a third of deputies who wanted to pursue headship in 2016. And as Greg Dempster, the General Secretary of the Association of Head Teachers and Deputies in Scotland points out, that's the pool that councils are fishing in in order to fill head teacher posts. So the fact that headship is becoming increasingly unappealing amongst these other primary uh, promoted post holders is really concerning um, because you don't get them from anywhere else. <laughs>
0: Just to jump ahead to a question I was thinking about asking later, but it seems to make sense to ask it now. We, we've known for a lot of years that there are various things that make the job of head teacher, obviously, it's hugely attractive in many ways, but sometimes there are things that put people off. And you've reported that for many years. And part of it is just the sheer weight of responsibility that seems to be increasing on a head teacher. So, for example, in the recent ChemU report on education reform in Scotland, which was published in March, he pointed out that he was hearing from primary and secondary schools that they have to be across 34 and 40 policy areas, respectively. Um, so, surely this idea of adding to the load of head teacher even more made to people who are already in two minds about whether it's something for them, not just make the role even less appealing potentially.
1: <laughs> it's funny that you should say that because a big part of the idea is that um, executive headship will make becoming a head teacher more appealing. I think that the idea is that because the total role across all of the different schools, whichever sector they're in, is going to be larger. And a big um part of what determines how much a headteacher earns is how many pupils um are in the schools or the school that they lead. So the idea that these the the idea is is that these larger salaries will mean that you get more people, more potential candidates, you know, sort of apply uh, applying for these jobs. but as you say, already head teachers are saying that the job is too big um, and that really the the burden, you know, sort of needs to be spread, you know, sort of across more, um, more promoted staff, almost particularly in primary schools where you can have, you know, a head teacher and a deputy who are, you know, sort of responsible for leading the school. In secondaries, you typically have um, more promoted uh, postholders, you've got principal teachers, faculty heads, deputies, the head teacher. You know, so the, you know, so the, the, the theory is, is that we need to spread the burden more across more promoted post holders. And the authorities that are looking at doing this are saying that whilst they might, you know, sort of remove head teacher posts, that they will put in more middle managers. So there will be more principal teachers and there will be more deputies. Um, but the worry is is that actually it'll be the primary leadership posts that would be squeezed in a cluster re- leadership model because the theory goes that secondary heads who have more experience of leading larger establishments would when it actually comes to the crunch be more successful at securing executive headships so it's the, the the feeling is is that it would be a secondary it would be more likely to be a secondary head teacher who would secure an executive headship than a a primary school leader. And then you would have, you know, sort of the, the, the head teacher of the primary school post would, would, you know, sort of would then be removed and you would be looking at more deputies and more principal teachers. So there's this, this sort of idea about, you know, sort of primary head teacher roles um, being squeezed out.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about what the response has been to these plans? I know that certain uh, protest groups have certainly sprung up. Um,
1: so yeah, uh, th- th- there have been, um, there've been petitions, you know, sort of started by the local communities against the plans. There have been, you know, sort of protests, um, Christ in primary and secondary has, um, been, you know, sort of one of the, uh, in, in North Lanarkshire, th- those two schools have, um, had an executive headship, uh, in on a temporary basis and they're, uh, parents and pupils have um, you know sort of had had protests on the go Um so uh, teachers have also been quite unenthusiastic so earlier this month 85 percent of um, the 385 EIS members in Argyle and Butte who responded to a survey opposed the introduction of executive head posts it, and I mean it's quite interesting the piece we talked to Alma Harris who's um Professor Emeritus at Swansea University in Wales and she's known for her research on educational leadership and she had some quite stark warnings for councils just talking about the executive headship and one head teacher leading, you know, sort of multiple schools that might seem like a rational and a practical solution but it didn't take account of the emotional toll and the communities have a lot of pride in their schools and in their school leaders. And she says the high stakes bit of this is that you don't get the anticipated benefits, but the changes actually destabilise the school.
0: That's really interesting. I I mean, presumably there are some potential benefits of primaries and secondaries working more closely together. I I know having read a little bit of the proposals in our gallon Butte that that there the the council officials are certainly claiming various pedagogical uh, benefits. I mean, can you tell us a bit more about that and what the claims are being made for why this might be a good thing?
1: Absolutely. I um, mean, um, you know, they're talking the councils are talking about the opportunities for staff to work together across the different sectors, opportunities to share resources. You know, so maybe for your your science specialists or your modern languages specialists to be working down in the primary school, or for your primary teachers to come up and support pupils in the early years of secondary, you know, there is opportunities to create a more seamless experience for pupils and to smooth transition. I think that the issue that these local authorities have come up against is that as far as parents and communities have been concerned, the plans have kind of popped out of nowhere and they've been shocked um, at what's being proposed. And one of the things, again, going back to some of Alma Harris's comments, which were really interesting, she says that there's no such thing as a good or a bad idea in education, Um, but it's all about how you execute those ideas. And that there must, and she says that there must be absolute transparency about purpose and engagement from the start and constant communication to avoid suspicion or worry or stress. And I think that that's maybe where it's not that there are no merits in these ideas, it's just about the way that they have been executed has um, made communities suspicious. Um, And it's about whether or not these councils will then be able to. When those communities round, you know, turn turn that round at the end of the day, or if, or uh, you know, or if they're kind of doomed to fail because of the way that, um, you know, communities, you know, sort of found out about the plans.
0: That's such an important point. You and I have re- reported on uh, Scottish education for a long time, and we've seen time and again that, regardless of the merits or otherwise of a plan, if the people it's going to affect feel there's a perception of secrecy and not being told the full, not being given the full picture. People if people start with that perception. It's very hard to get things back on track afterwards. Look at the future head teacher recruitment problems, financial problems for councils, and that's not going away anytime soon. So, would you anticipate more councils going down this roads of executive headships?
1: Um, I mean, I think that as long as councils are under financial pressure, um, and as long as they're struggling to recruit head teachers, they're going to look at leadership leadership structures, you know, in order to. In order to find solutions. I mean, at the end of the day, they want to have um, a, a head teacher, you know, sort of leading their schools. And if head teachers are hard to find, then they need to figure out ways of um, you know of making it work with the with the people that they that they actually have, you know, sort of in place or that they can hope to that they can hope to recruit. But interestingly, the Scottish government has set up a recruitment and retention working group. Um, which is being led by the Association of Directors of Education uh, in Scotland. And they are planning on doing um, a lot of work, you know, sort of gathering data on, um, you know, whether or not you know, are, are we losing um, primary and secondary head teachers? What are the challenges of the role? How could the role be made more attractive? And just going back to that idea of whether or not executive headship is the answer because of these higher salaries that local authorities will be able to attach to those roles, it was pointed out to me that because the role largely determines the salary, it might be still quite hard to attract people to executive head teacher posts when they could just go to a larger secondary school and not have the challenges of getting to grips with a sector that they're not familiar with. So for instance, if your cluster leadership model involves a secondary and a number of primary schools and the total role comes to around about a thousand pupils, why not just go to a secondary school with around about a thousand pupils? And then you don't have the challenges of, you know, sort of um t- trying to understand a completely different, you know, sort of um, you know, completely different sector. So I'm not sure that that ne- that the um, the hope that these executive head teacher roles um will attract more candidates is necessarily gonna be realised.
0: Well thanks very much for that Emma. That's a fascinating fascinating insight into your investigation and we'll obviously be keeping abreast of all these issues in the months and no doubt years ahead. Um If you want to read Emma's full investigation, you should go to com forward slash magazine and you'll find it there. And next month, uh, around a month from now, we'll have another investigation and another podcast. So we'll see you then.